Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Fightful Boxing Podcast. It may be the last podcast, or at least the last Fightful Boxing Podcast you may hear for a while. We'll get into all of that in just a second. Obviously, you must, to those listening, obviously, you've heard the coronavirus has been hitting the world. You know, everyone and everything has been affected in some way, shape, or form. Boxing is no exception to that. We will definitely get into all of that because there is a lot to dive in into the coronavirus situation. But I didn't want to do this alone. So I bring up an old friend, you long-time listener to the Fightful Boxing Podcast, may remember him. I called him one of my favorite podcast guest co-hosts I've ever had, and I still stand by it today, and I couldn't have asked for a better person to join me. Marquise Johns is back here on the Fightful Boxing Podcast. Marquise, how are you doing? Pretty good, Carlos. Stocking up on toilet paper, uh, viney sausages, and top ramen for this uh, pending uh, coronavirus shenanigans. It's 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 out there. It's nuts. Oh yeah, I I was lucky that um that I bought like this giant stack of toilet paper. I didn't like hoard anything. It was just literally one giant stack of toilet paper. It was like it's like twenty four rolls, but the way they kind of packaged it is like. Like each roll is equivalent of four regular rolls, so it's technically like 96 rolls. And I bought that like last week before things really got crazy. And it wasn't even, oh, we need to stock on toilet paper, it was just, I just happened, we just happened to buy toilet paper, and I think we're gonna be set for the next two, three months, maybe even more. Yeah, it's it's nuts because like I didn't realize the run on toilet paper was going to be that rampant around here. Like the last time I've seen it, even like living here in Florida, like even during hurricane season, stuff like this doesn't just deplete the shelves and in such random fashion. And like pretty much the stores around here, they've all replenished at this point uh, as we're recording this. But for the most part, like earlier during the week, you would have thought like this was like 
something out of like every bad apocalypse movie or like 28 days later with like there's no more toilet paper oh he has the last roll and like people are like starting world star hip-hop fights over it and it's it's nutty stuff but it's just signs of the times and people just over panicking and this is the country it's a country living it is what it is yeah i mean in, in the world it really the world of boxing has just been hit getting hit Real, real hard, I think. You know, you can check out the latest Fightful Boxing newsletter on Fightful.com where I think I did a pretty good job rounding up a lot of the uh, of the shows or the boxing companies that have announced that their upcoming cards have been postponed, canceled, moved, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think, you know, the three big ones to sort of get out of the way. So we are recording on March 14th, and today we were supposed to have – the first of two Madison Square Garden shows by Top Rank. And that this one was going to be headlined by Shakur Stevenson versus Miguel Mariaga. And the other one was, was a PBC show taking place later tonight between Marcos Hernandez and James Kirkland. And those two shows have been postponed. Top Rank has also postponed the March 17th show. That's also going to be a Madison Square Garden. It was going to be the Michael Conlins, you know, annual St. Patrick's Day show. And Golden Boy Promotions, by virtue of the California State Athletic Commission, basically nixing every any large gathering above 250 people. It's uh, Golden Boy Promotions announced that they have also postponed their March 19th and March 28th shows, both of them taking place in California. So amongst other things, just – a lot, of, a lot of small shows, you know, uh, Murphy's Boxing. Uh, a, a, there was an Abrams Boxing card right before we started recording. Got an email. Abrams Boxing, their show got postponed. Uh, that was supposed to take place tonight. And a lot of other stuff. Interestingly enough, Marquis, the one company that has not done anything, or at least the one major show, um, major promotion that has not done anything, is, or at least announced anything, is Matchroom Boxing. And as far as, you know, you and I both know, they have a big card on in Maryland and on April 17. And I contacted them and they said, you know, we don't got anything. Uh, we don't have any news going on. They reached out back to me and said they don't have, they have not made a decision regarding, you know, the Maryland show or any of the of the UK shows. And I find it hard to believe that those shows are going to keep moving as planned, at least the ones coming in the next month or so. Absolutely, especially if it's in the United States. Pretty much this country is going to be on lockdown for at least the next 30 days. It, it all snowfalled, as you well know, once the major sports. Once the NBA and the NHL said, hey, we're not going to play anymore, and then the NBA player Ruby Gobert got uh, infected with it. It's At this point, it's become self-quarantine and self-preservation for everybody. Uh, also, let me throw in as well, amidst the hundreds of cards you just mentioned, Raging Babe came out with her announcement as well for her card, which is going to be on the Impact Network at the end of the month. That was supposed to be in Philadelphia that got canceled. And... It's interesting with all these cards falling by the wayside. I know Eddie Hearn earlier this, uh, I want to say early, early Friday or early Saturday morning, came out on the, on his IFL network and pretty much said, hey, the, the fight card has a 50-50 shot. Uh, I have family in uh, D.C., Carlos, and my sister told me flat out, this city's going to be on lockdown. Good luck getting up to Oxen Hill for that fight card. So she told me to stay awake. So I, put in, I put in a credential for it for a uh, progress hooker. And if she's telling me no, I'm pretty sure that 50% going to be a no on that end as well. So I'm interested to see how they're going to keep these fights actually even going on in the States. I know we had the Showbox card last night we'll talk about in a moment. And also with a couple of the uh, – because they, they announced as well uh, on that Showtime card a couple of future cards at the end of the month that they haven't exactly nixed either. 
So I'm intrigued on how they're going to do a lot of those broadcasts. Also, with these, these uh, shows being currently being in, in, in pretty much in limbo, uh, the big one as well with the zone, because the zone was supposed to have had to roll out too, Carlos, of uh, mentioning finally uh, Canelo versus uh, Billy Joe Saunders, you know, boxing's worst kept secret at this point uh, for, for May 2nd. And Vegas is uh, pretty much on the fence about stripping down and closing their casinos down. And if they're closing their casinos down, one of those casinos that's going to close down, of course, will be the one holding this fight at May 2nd on Secret of My Awakened at the MGM Grand. So I'm really intrigued on how Eddie Hearn, despite all of this, is keeping it sunny side up in terms of, well, the fight must go on. I don't think it's going to be up to him at the end of the day if it's going to be actually going through or not. Yeah, that, that's that's also another one. I did contact the Nevada State Athletic Commission on Thursday. They didn't reach back to me. I'm assuming it's because they have not made any decision yet, and it's – as you mentioned, it is crazy. I don't think that, you know, I think I, maybe we guess we can break it down like card by card. So you mentioned that Regis Prograde Maurice Hooker card. Uh-huh. That card, you know, I first of all, I was really looking forward to that card because that card was going to be real good. That, that was going to be loaded. But, you know, when you compare it to a lot of the other U.S. based shows, uh, you know, this was the Prograde Hooker card. I mean, aside from the main event a majority of the fights were or at least of the matchroom guys that were going to be fighting on this card they they came from europe so there was no so with the travel ban you know regardless of what happens it's close to impossible to imagine a scenario where even after the travel ban is lifted which i believe is you know right at the week before fight week for that card is i find it very hard to believe that they're just going to you know assume that that card is gonna stay intact for april 17 i mean i think eddie hearn is being very generous when he's saying 50 50 i think it's closer to like 80 20 that his upcoming shows are going to be are, they're going to have to be moved because there's no way he's going to hold those shows with no spectators. It, it, I find it very hard to believe that a major show or at least a show from a major company is going to do that. I believe that as well. I don't think the uh, zone or match boxing in general is, is looking forward to holding these up. Uh... Uh, shows with just essential personnel and no one uh, around for any crowd interaction or crowd noise. Cause that's kind of like the basis of, 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 if not 95% of these matchroom shows is the atmosphere. You hear the ones I got, like the one last week out in Manchester, you hear them all singing the Sweet Caroline song and all that nonsense. And it, it, there's no way around that. that. That's just the way their shows are built up. It's also interesting because I want to say, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I don't want to be completely wrong with the facts on, the, on, this, on this travel ban that the U.S. Uh, president has put on this. It's a 30-day travel ban for pretty much a majority of the European countries coming in and out so in order for that 30 uh, the 30 day ban for this card which i think for for grace uh, hooker would have been uh, april 17th that means uh, unless eddie hearns on that first plane coming back here today which he's not obviously i don't know how it's going to take place because he would have had to come this on, the, on the, coming over this way as well because at some point make the announcer for billy joe saunders and canelo alvarez and and they're and they're still stalling on that so i don't know how he's keeping it so positive and, and what looks very bleak of the majority of these fight cards being shut down and being locked up. I'm also looking forward to as well the way, that, well, especially in the States here, Carlos, and I'm thinking as time goes on, we'll finally have an idea or at least a general perspective of how the country's going to actually uh, resolve, not resolve, but in terms of uh, actually handling the epidemic in terms of uh, care and uh, people and being out in public with hordes of people and crowds because 
pretty much they're shutting down anything, especially in California, any, anything over 250 people, which is which actually is pretty funny. There was an old joke if you're as you know if you're on, you're on boxing Twitter as well. Uh, people were running the first running gag when Golden Boy canceled their shows last week about the ones in Fantasy Springs was the easy layup joke was. There's 250 people going to these shows, of course. Yeah, <laughs> but all, all all sarcasm aside, it's really a serious issue, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how Hearn's going to even relocate these shows. Because even Top Rank uh, came out late yesterday with the uh, Better Be of card, which is in Canada for Christ's sakes, with uh, with Bang Feilong. They're talking about relocating that card elsewhere. So if they're moving those cards that are just you know up north. It's, it's going to be just beyond the U.S. here with just these fly cards in general. It's really interesting, but I'm really saddened too because, as you know, I got the credential for I, I applied to get to, to a credential for the card that that progress hooker that that progress hooker card. Carlos was pretty stacked. I was willing to try. I was willing to travel up there for this one, and now that's all. But that's more than likely falling by the wayside. It's just like man, it makes for a great summer uh, in general. Actually, Carlos, I'm gonna throw this by you if you think about this. They're gonna they're gonna end up having to push all these cards back more more often than not. The way it's setting up, this is going to make for a great late summer after the Olympics, because the Olympics are still going to be a thing more than likely. And if all these cars get rescheduled to either like late July after the Olympics or early August, where they try to cram all these fights together to make up for lost time. I'm looking forward to that part of it more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, that that's certainly a very optimistic way. And I do kind of agree. But that's, a, you know, always, I think for both of us, we're assuming that this things get calmed down just a little bit and you know within a couple of months or so and even then that's still again we're we, that's still being a little bit optimistic we're still we're still knowing uh, we're still learning a lot about the the coronavirus covid-19 just and just how it's going to affect i mean really the the main the big fight the one big fight that I think a lot of people, as you mentioned, were waiting on the announcement was Canelo versus Billy Joe Saunders. It's for May 2. I think at this point, if your Golden Boy promotion is your Eddie Hearn, because Eddie Hearn promotes Billy Joe Saunders, even if the Nevada State Athletic Commission says, okay, we are we feel confident enough that this, this virus, this uh, pandemic can, can at the very least, the can can be calmed down this, this whole situation can be calmed down just a little bit and things return to at least some sense of norm uh, you know normality by april uh-huh. you still have to actually start the promotion and because they hadn't announced the card or the fight and we're now in mid march there's no way there's no way that the, the zone is going to be wanting to promote a fight like a Canelo fight, which is only weeks notice. Not not just that. If you really think about it, this is the this is the most difficult fight for the Zone and Golden Boy to promote. And, and as far as the Canelo fights that we have added of on the Zone, aside from Rocky Fielding, this is this is an incredibly hard sell for boxing fans because, as you know, boxing fans in the U.S. don't have much of a high opinion of Billy Joe Saunders. Not at all. He's he hasn't he has not performed well in his title run at the WBO Super Middleweight Champion. And in, in reality, I mean look, I think we've seen I think we have enough evidence to to believe that you know Canelo has not been the massive draw for the zone that 
you know, we we've all thought, or at least the zone thought, because let's be honest, the zone prior to this coronavirus outbreak, they were kind of teetering around close to a million paper um, subscriptions, and Canelo prior to that was doing a million pay-per-view buys in his last three fights against Golovkin, the two fights against Golovkin, the one fight against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., uh-huh. and fights against Jacobs, fights against Kovalev, they don't bring that same level of attention to the zone as they hope. So, you know, if I, from a business sense, I look at this fight and think, even if we get the, they get the green light to do it on May 2nd, you, even if it's Cinco de Mayo, you, you have to think this is, this is gonna, we're just throwing away money if we're advertising and promoting a Canelo fight with only a few weeks notice. You if I were, if I were Canelo, if I were Golden Boy, The Zone, Matchroom, I would hold this fight off until July, at the very least. That makes sense on my end, too. And it's weird because, as you know, it's one of those things that we we see in like these live shows now that are always talk about, you know, we, we can hold the fight without any studio audience or any fans or whatever have you. And it's funny because there's no way that The Zone is going to eat, pretty much, uh, Canelo's fight contract, which is, I think is still $35 million to fight. They're promising Billy Joe Saunders, I want to say at least, I'm assuming about 8 to 10 for his fight. That's 45, that's about 40, 45 million there alone. Uh, that money's got to come from somewhere, and that's usually where the live gate comes in. So there's no way that they're just going to hold this fight and to promote it and to hope that people will come to it. And with these last few Canelo fights, Kovalev was not a big draw. That showed at the gate when they came through. The Jacobs fight really wasn't that big of a draw as well. I remember Kolopkin saying that because he was there for it. He remember saying it was boring. I mean, that's been kind of the, the status quo for some of these Canelo fights too. It's, it's really a, it's almost an impossible sell, Carlos, to be honest with you, where it's like you would think uh, with, Red, with Saunders, and, and if, you, if you've seen one Saunders fight in the last five years, you've seen them all at this point, and it's kind of the same issue, and his title run currently isn't that interesting. It was more interesting the fact his last fight that was on that on the zone with the uh, KSI Logan Paul uh, stuff, uh, part two, was that the fight lasted about ten rounds longer than it was supposed to, and the guy that he was facing, I want to say it was uh, uh, Marco Soraya, I want to say I could be wrong on the name, but that fight lasted way longer than it anticipated, and it was like, okay, well, what's going on here? Because it was essentially supposed to be like one of those cards. It was supposed to be a spotlight card for him, and that wasn't the case that went down at the end of the day. And with with Canelo fighting on May 2nd, he's been steadfast on that. It's going to have to be pushed back unless they hold it in Mexico, which has, you know, still has fight cards going on currently until something happens otherwise. Unless they relocate it there and put it there, I don't, I don't see it happening ever, any other way on single to mile weekend. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but then it's still, but then you still have to deal with the problem that Bill, you know, the, the ban, which originally was supposed to be for most of Europe, except for the, the UK, uh, that's now that travel ban has also now been extended. This I believe it was this morning they they announced that the travel ban has been extended to the UK. So that's still also oh. so you're also now you're still trying to hope that the travel after the travel ban is done, that's it. There's nothing nothing else beyond that. So that's still that's still a massive leap of faith. I mean, I get it. It's you want to try to you know take advantage of a Cinco de Mayo, but Look, it's it, you're it's playing it's way too close, you know, after the travel ban. It's still in a time frame where things are a little bit dicey. I don't see the I don't see you know, if, if I'm being perfectly honest, I'm I don't really see these fights 
in March and maybe even April not happening. I don't, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that, you know, maybe through March is when these cancellations and these postponements will get to. But I don't feel that confident. I mean, look, maybe a week ago I would have said, you know, I really don't think it's going to affect that much. But the way I look at this is, you know, once – Rudy Gobert, the Utah Jazz player, tested positive for Corona. And, mm-hmm. and let's be honest. I mean, look, I, I don't want to say he deserved it because no one deserves this. But yeah. he was a real jackass for for <laughs> for minimizing the importance of being safe, of taking care of yourself. He And now he – because he – for those who don't know, he – the Utah Jazz are basically doing coronavirus prevention or like they were trying to – uh, help minimize the spread or the risk, and Rudy Gobert just pretty much was just touching every single thing that was next to him within his proximity. And turns out he was the first NBA player to be tested uh, to test positive for coronavirus. But yeah, it, but it seems like when that happened, I think a lot of people in the U.S. real uh, start to realize, oh God, this is this is real because unlike say stuff like swine flu or like SARS, we didn't really see like pro athletes left and right start to te- test positive for those. But when it yeah. comes to, to the coronavirus, you you got Rudy Gobert testing positive. And then the next day, Donovan Mitchell, also of the Utah Jazz, he also tested positive. So when that happened, we see a public figure and an athlete for – for an NBA team test positive and the NBA responding with we are suspending the entire season. I think that made it real for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people realize this is, this is not going to go away in a week. And I look at boxing and I think boxing is being a little too optimistic and thinking, you know, they haven't even announced. There, there's a couple of shows you mentioned the Better BF Mung Fei Long card at the end of uh, at the end of the month. The Luis Netty was going to fight on Showtime in Las Vegas at the end of the month as well. Yeah. You know, they, they have not moved. They have not postponed those cards or anything like that. I think they're that it's they're still being a little too optimistic with that. And honestly, if I'm these major promoters, if I'm Al Heyman, if I'm Bob Arum, if I'm Eddie Hearn, Oscar DeLoya, if I'm all those people, I would start preparing for the next six weeks, six, seven weeks. I'd say until until Cinco de Mayo, Cinco de Mayo weekend, I would say don't don't assume those cards are going to move forward as they are presently laid out. I don't know about you, but I think I would say just – Start proactively moving your cars to another date, at least until after Cinco de Mayo, because there's no way you can really do business with and still believe that everything's going to be all right within the next month or so. Yeah, in terms of uh, any any current fly cars that are currently on the on the slated board now, because it's funny because I think uh, uh, Gray Johnson of uh, the Unprofessional Boxing Podcast and uh, Box. Uh, box wreck as well was laughing hysterically like the last four hours about people are still adding fight cards on in the u.s and it's like i, I appreciate the sunny side up and the optimism but at the end of the day this is a this is a bigger issue and with the basketball players getting it of course it it, it, it removes that idea of that is it's not just you know there's a level of instability uh, invincibility that's completely gone from this 
that's the bigger issue of a lot of this, this coronavirus stuff and, and pretty much the, wild, the whole panic in this country. It's going to take at least, like you said, at least till Secret of Mile for can be cleared out. Like anything in April, uh, Carlos, I've already pretty much conceded and uh, made plans elsewhere. I'm looking forward to, to looking at best of stuff for a lot of stuff. Like if you look at uh, Carlos ESPN, for example, ESPN has no content right now. There's been no sports being played. The last thing was the Showbox card last night. They are literally doing, you know, top 10 stuff until they can do more, uh, no more top 10 stuff until they run out of top 10 stuff. So at this point, they're, they're looking for alternate routes. And, like, I think boxing needs to do the same thing, either in terms of actually pushing these fight cards back to obviously a later date, which is going to have to happen, or at least until they got a sense of idea from either the CDC or, and pretty much our government letting us know that everything is going to be at least manageable or at least they have some sort of treatment in place for this virus because that's been the bigger issue too as well is that there's no treatment there's been a couple of tests but apparently there's not enough tests for it so we don't know who still has it who doesn't have it there's been stories about we we want no cases of people who have it until two weeks after the fact i mean that that's cool if i was working at a day job you know that gets paid bi-weekly but in terms of having an actual flu sickness it's it's a little rough so We'll see how it all plays out. But it's one of those wait and see methods that we have to got to deal with in the meantime. So it's it always stinks because with with us being boxing guys, it's like oh well, we got to find fights to watch, and it's like well, there's no fights to watch. <laughs> no, there isn't. I mean, you look at all these fights that are coming up, and by the way, I, I, we mentioned a whole ton of boxing cards that um that have been postponed, Flushed and, out. and we we are only just scratching the surface, like. The amount of boxing cards that were postponed or being moved, it's it's crazy. It's I, I I can tell you I've said this on Twitter and I can tell you this at least on Thursday, the day after Donovan Mitchell tested positive, or I believe it was that Thursday. I have ne- that whole twenty four hours. I have never in my eight years being being involved in sports writing or sports media. I've never had a 24 hours quite like this ever. And I'm pretty sure I feel comfortable saying it's you've also ha- never seen a day, a 24-hour period quite like this. It's it's bizarre. I mean, and the U.S. is not the only country that's being affected. I mean, Japan has, has – they announced back in February that all shows through April 15 have been canceled, and which is a real shame because they were going to have – Junta Nakatani versus Kiemel Magramo for the WBO flyweight title. Oh, that man. Kosei Tanaka, the, the one that Kosei Tanaka vacated, that fight was going to take place at Corican Hall on April 4. That's, you know, that's not happening. You know, they they canceled the, they postponed a couple of matchroom boxing Italy shows. One of them yeah. was going to be for the interim WBA lightweight title. So I guess if, if there was a sm- one small victory is that we, are, we don't have another WBA title. I guess that's <laughs> that's the only real thing that I can I – mean, I don't even know how the hell that, that card uh, – I mean I don't even know how the hell you can justify – Making that uh, making an interim WBA title on the line for that one, or just creating one—it's it's ridiculous. 
The only thing more ridiculous about the, the, the standard WBA regular title, which you get when you get, you know, three uh, tires and an oil change, is the fact that uh, I think they made it earlier this month as well. You mentioned that uh, Manuel Char and Trevor Bryant are actually having a title bout at some point that Don King uh, put a purse bid on. I remember talking to you last podcast I was on with you about this fight, and I'm laughing even more just talking to you about it now, thinking, like, I don't know what's more implausible. Uh, these fights going through coronavirus or this Don King uh, purse bid that he won for this fight between two guys who haven't fought combined within like four and a half years <laughs> for a heavyweight title belt, which I think is the WBA. I want to say gold in minor or so world title. It, it, I mean, what, whatever on that part. I, I don't know what's more impossible at this point, but it always cracks me up. But like, yeah, serious, like especially with these Matchroom Italy shows, I forgot all about that because pretty much Italy is under complete shutdown where people can't leave the house where people are being, you know, arrested about it, where apparently it's really something out of, like, world, like something out of World Wars. And from my personal opinion, like, it, to answer your question that you mentioned beforehand, this is, in my terms, the biggest, uh, terms of, like, shutdowns. I've never seen it anything, like, collapse this hardcore. And um, you talk to me, as you know, Carlos, I, I live here in Tampa, which is supposed to be the site of WrestleMania 36 here in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium, where the, Buc the football team, the Buccaneers, play. And the biggest contention here between uh, Tampa City Council and Vince McMahon is the fact that they're trying to figure out who's going to cancel this bout first. City Council is putting it on the mayor. The mayor is putting it on Vince. Vince, as we all know, is, is all about letting the show go on. And it's, we'll find it's out a that giant game chicken. It's, it's ridiculous that we, yeah. we are at this point where the show is still technically currently option. on. It's like technically – the show the show is still set for April fifth, and I, it's ridiculous. I obviously like I Vince McMahon should know better, but I don't expect him to know any better. I don't expect him to be the one to pull the plug. I think it's going to be the city of Tampa. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, blast yeah. all the WWE superstars that were present on SmackDown. Last night at the WWE Performance Center, who did a show without any fans whatsoever. Bless the wrestlers who are going to be on Raw because they're going to do the exact same thing. They're also going to have a no fans show, an empty arena show for Monday Night Raw at the Performance Center in Orlando. It's, it's you know when it comes to that, that is that's like the only major sporting event like of on an international scale that. Uh -huh. Is still happening within the next month. And I think it's still happening. I mean, it's not been canceled or postponed or rescheduled or whatever. It's that that's just pretty much been a giant game of chicken. It's really going to be if who's going to win, who's going to be the one to balk first. Is it going to be, is it going to be Vince? He's not, it's not. It's going to be the city of Tampa that's going to be forcing WWE to shut down. Yeah, and that's pretty much what's going to happen at this point, because essentially in town, uh, personally here, like, everything, like, major-wise has been shut down. Like, the big, big thing here, like, the big theme park here at Bush Gardens, that's closed off. There's been a, been a couple of smaller things. Like, today would have been, like, the, day, the, the, the town's uh, big St. Patrick's Day Parade downtown, which, 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 which believe it or not, if, if you live in Tampa, it's actually a bigger deal than I forgot. Uh, that's been that's been completely shut down and off the off the map, which brings a lot of money in like locally for like for city stuff, like for city projects. So you're canceling things left and right here in town, much like everybody else in the country. So I 
it, it's only a matter of time. I'll give it by the end of next week that the uh, city council will pull the plug in as well. But only because there's, there's, there's too much of a liability and there's too much of a risk involved with all of it. I mean, it's Vince, and I get it, but I don't know how many more of these uh, studio wrestling performance center shows they could keep pulling off in the meantime at, at the performance center out, out in Orlando at Full Sail before they realize that it's not going to bring any rep. It's, at the end of the day, it's not going to bring any revenue in. I know it's because it's, they have the billion-dollar Fox contract, and I guess either Fox didn't – well, I don't know if Fox has that much of a say-so on stuff like that. It, it, at the end of the day, it, it, if, if there's no show for WWE to put on for Fox, they'll find some. Fox has other shows. They could they can rerun the Mass Singer or whatever have you on there. But it's one of those deals where it's like, if, if once there's no program, you have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. With stuff like that, you have to find alternate, alternate means, alternate routes. And I'm thinking with, especially with the WWE, not the size of all of this stuff, it's just the way that Vince operates. And at some point, someone's just going to just pull the plug and keep it moving. Yeah, I mean, we, we've, I think we've pretty much exhausted the, the coronavirus situation. Yeah. There's, there's also a few things that, that believe it, believe it or not, that in terms of boxing, there's still a few topics to discuss that has nothing to do with the coronavirus situation. And really the, you know, it's stuff like um, matchroom boxing signing Zelfa Barrett. I think that's a big deal. <laughs> I don't know how that fell under the radar yesterday, and how did Frank Warren let this man just go? I, I don't know if this is uh, Hearn being Hearn as usual, this just signing away everyone from Queensbury again, despite Frank. Or I don't know. This... By the way, when I say self barrier going to match is a big deal, I, I'm I'm kidding. It's yeah, it's really not a big deal. I mean, I mean, good for Zelfa. He's gonna be fighting tentatively on the Dillian White card on May second. I don't. It's touch and go whether or not that's actually going to happen but yeah well, you know we'll, we'll see we'll see it's it's but yeah i mean just to kind of give you an idea just like how much the sports world you know the, the boxing world have been dominated by coronavirus aside from the showbox card the last couple of days literally the two biggest pieces of news that i could find was zelva barrett going to matchroom and the WBA ordering a title eliminator between Hiroshige Osawa and Hector Garcia. So, wow, it's, that's it. That's it for Oof. for the fe- yeah, and it's they called it a featherweight title eliminator, but of course they never specify which featherweight title. Um, Is it for the super? But yeah, <laughs> the last day or so, 
in terms of non-coronavirus, non-show box, those are the two biggest pieces of news. It just kind of goes to show it's been a very bizarre, uh, a very bizarre uh, situation that we've had in, in boxing. But but we've you know we've hinted at the show box card yes. long enough, and I do think that I think that. This card that we got uh, that we had yesterday in Hinkley, Minnesota. Uh, maybe it's because we 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 like the distraction. Maybe it's because we you know we know that it's not gonna be the it's not we're not gonna see any live boxing in the U.S. for a long time potentially. Yeah, I thought this show. I thought this show was really really good for a showbox card. This had this had to be one of the better Showbox cards in a long, long time. You know, we saw great prospects. Brandon Lee dominating in the main event. We got two very close, very competitive fights that you know really could have been anyone's by the time we got to the scorecards, more or less. I don't know about you. I thought this was a solid, solid card considering what was. What, who who were fighting and what our expectations were for for a showbox card. This may have been uh, off my, off recent memory. This may have been the best showbox card I've seen probably in a in a long time. Mainly because, Carlos, and as you know, with a lot of these showbox cards, for more often than not, they're pretty much spotlight cards for the A side. I, I I've grown to hate using the word A side and B side for all these fight cards, but essentially the the favorites that are you know endorsed by. Uh, either uh, Salta Promotions or whoever the promotions uh, for the fight cards itself, it's pretty much been like a showcase card for a lot of those guys. And honestly, the only the, the only to be the, the only only to be the, 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 the pessimist and devil's advocate with you on this fight card, the only problem I have with this fight card, honestly, up and down, was the fights were fine. The judges, without a doubt, butchered these scorecards. But, I mean, that's boxing in a nutshell. I mean, I mean, it's it's, it's a cause. It's kind of funny. I mentioned to you. It's a typical boxing night, by the way. When you think about it, out of the four fight cards we got, and I'm just going to use generalizations as we as we break them up, if you'd like later on. We got two close ones at the very beginning, which were pretty. I thought were pretty fair and were pretty much actually contestable draw uh, fights in general. Then we get a fight that ends on a very awful headbutt because the the headbutt pretty much bled into the guy's eye. I mean that that fight was going to be killed off immediately after that happened. And then we get in the main event with uh, Brandon Lee, a fight where the guy, I think they even hinted about it on the uh, showbox uh, stat line, where the guy didn't land a single punch. I mean, typical boxing stuff. I, I, I'm all for that. I, I'm, I was actually fine with it. Outside of the scorecards, and I, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure you saw the card from top to bottom, too. The very beginning of the first card that was televised, I think they had an audio issue. And instead of us getting uh, Farhood in the gang, we got the uh, old school raw tape form. I, I think you may have saw the very beginning. We got like the time code at the very bottom, the little oh, yeah. corner. Yeah, I, I learned had so in, many. I, I had so many high people school. joking about that. Yeah, I learned in high school TV production. That's the uh, uh, the B roll type, the tape deck for the timestamp for when you like, you know, want to go back and edit something. You go back to this nanosecond in this frame, and then you go to the other one on the B side where you edit it, and then you cut it, cut it around. But we got the actual raw tape of that. I thought that was. I kind of enjoyed that for like the first two rounds of that first fight, actually. But then they changed it up and fixed the audio, so it was gone. But no, outside of that, I really thought this was a really solid showbox card, actually. I, I have no complaints about outside of that any, anything otherwise. I'm just actually just disappointed that this is going to be the last time we have some U.S. boxing for a while. More, it's just a general principle. But no, it was actually a, for a Showtime card. Like, 
give or take, uh, even throwing in uh, the show, uh, the Showtime main event cards, this may have been the best Showtime card for me personally as a whole this year easily. Like, I'm, I'm just spitballing and thinking up the top of my head. I mean, the fights at the beginning of the year they had at Atlantic City with uh, Shields and Habazan, I mean, that card was okay. I, I mean, I like Boots Ennis. That's fine. But, like, then you, then you start thinking, like, the cards after that where it's like, mm, I mean, Rigandow, and then you got uh, the, the yearly, which is now looking more and more like the actual yearly appearance of Garrett Russell Jr. Oh, I mean, that was that, okay. Yeah, that was, that, was the, that was okay, nothing spectacular. Danny Garcia card, I... I was bored never, with tears. I was honest, never on board with that. <laughs> I, looked, I remember I looked at that card. Um, I said it from the very beginning. I was not a fan of that card. The Danny Garcia card, I it was didn't think it was going to be great. And, you know, turns out that was the case. It really yeah. wasn't anything too special. So, really, it, I, well, I'd have to look at it real deeply. But you're right. I think this actually may have been the best Showtime televised card period of 2020 so far, which... Depending on how you look at it, it could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. I mean, it, it, which is not something we all we all expected because hell, I mean, again, then then the Showtime card, and yeah, you, Danny Garcia Ivan Redcatches was an okay fight, but Stephen yeah. Fulton versus Arnold Kegai, I think I personally thought that was going to be a hell of a fight that really wasn't. Not uh, really. Jared yeah. Hurd versus Francisco Santana was a bit of a dud. Uh, yeah, Hurd got rounds in. I mean, I mean, that is what it was with that. But yeah, like now that I'm thinking about, like I really couldn't name you one. Like yeah, Rigondeaux, Solis. I mean, the fight before that was pretty good actually. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. That's that's gonna escape me. But no, that fight was okay. But I mean, then you got Gary Russell Jr. versus a uh, a uh, King Tug. I mean, that was okay. I mean, that was okay for what it was. It's, it's just not. Now the only thing is interesting about of that uh, Danny Garcia Ivan Redcash card was the fact that uh, Redcash bit Garcia and got his uh, purse yanked because of it. That that may have been the only event that happened in that entire fight card. Looking back on it. And it's weird because, like, speaking of Showtime fight cards, like they're 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 still promoting like the other ones. Like I, I mentioned, the the, the, sh- the even on the uh, the Showbox broadcast, they mentioned halfway through it, uh, the Clarissa Shields uh, Marie Eve Cl- the Claire fight that's helping in her in Flint, and I want to say in May. And they mentioned that the Neary card happening at the end of the month supposedly. I mean, we'll we'll see how that turns out. I mean, it's like ah, well, we'll see. I mean, there's that. I mean, because that, even that card has uh, Lucas Brown back in action. Well, you know. Oh my God, that's. The yeah. only reason I was interested in that fight was because you had Tom Schwartz fighting Lucas Brown. That is the yeah. only reason I was interested at all. But then Tom got injured, and I and not gonna lie, my interest in that fight card diminished significantly <laughs> because I don't feel comfortable in Luis Neri making weight. Even at 122, I still am not fully convinced he he makes weight. But that's no. because he he brought it upon himself because I don't you know I, I said it time and time again he should never be allowed to fight 118 pounds ever again he and I honestly eh, actually agree with Marisa Suleiman when I remember a few a couple of months ago when they asked him about it he said you know you shouldn't fight at 118 in fact I would say don't even go to 122 go to 126 because you can tell he is. Better suited to a, for 126 pounds be, instead of just trying to kill himself only to miss weight at 118. Yeah, and it's something that yeah, because I, I really think at the end of the day with Neri, I think he walks around either like either 130 or 135. It's my same. It's it's the same theory I have with Carlos uh, with uh, Gervonta Davis whenever he misses weight. 
where it's like there's a reason why he had to move up. It's like at some point you, you just realize that you're not going to keep making this weight, and you just either accept it or you can keep fighting reality. And these guys, of course, are still fighting reality. But yeah, it's interesting. It makes sense. It's funny that you mentioned Solomon, where it's one of the few times where it's like, all right, these guys actually making sense when it doesn't involve talking about franchise titles or any any of that stuff. And it's it's interesting that even he's saying like, hey man, you need to move up. And it's like when that when when you're when this, as you know, Carlos, when sanctioning bodies are having to be the voice of reason, it's very very telling. That's all. Yeah. So looking at this, going back to the showbox card. So obviously we yeah. start off with Aramavanyan. Versus Dagoberto Aguero. Uh, Dagoberto Aguero got off to a real good start. He dropped Avagian twice. For one time in the first round, one time in the second round. And then uh-huh. after that, Aguero just, just didn't show up. He was kind of lethargic. He pretty much abandoned almost everything that got him to success in the first couple of rounds. Uh, Aram did a great job coming back from those first two knockdowns, wins the majority decision. You know, I agree with the decision. I think a 76-74 card for Avagian is a is a very is a very good scorecard. And okay. overall, I thought this was a it's a very dramatic fight in the sense that we don't know what's gonna happen with the scorecards late because really after those two knockdowns in a in an eight-round fight, like all you need is one like what one more round and you pretty much have it have it guaranteed in the bag one or two more rounds and then he just, he just didn't show Aguero didn't show up he just did not fight well he pretty much allowed Avagian to come back and outbox him it was it was certainly very bizarre seeing someone score two knockdowns early in an eight-round fight and still lose on the scorecards. Yeah, you know what's going on? Now that I think about that, it's kind of, it's very rare you really think about it because I think what happened with Aguaro is that uh, at the end of the day, he just ran out of gas. And it, it, and you can see it, I want to say, in the fifth round because by about the fourth round, like the shots that he was throwing like didn't have any mustard or any heat on him. Because had he, because had he thrown that shot like in the third round, it probably would have knocked him, knocked the bio out again. Again, and it was interesting where it's like even the broadcast mentioned it too, was like, like they thought he was going to survive and just just keep boxing around, but it looked like he was trying to land like that one shot and that didn't happen. He he proceeded to get out boxed. It was just really interesting the fact that because actually I thought I thought the fight would be a I thought a draw would be fair, but seventy six seventy four I'm not that's not you know in the world in terms of scorecards. It's just like really interesting that. He really only prepared, it seems like, uh, Carlos, for a solid four-rounder, despite the fact that this card was uh, scheduled for an eight and it went the distance. Because by about the seventh or eighth round, he was out of gas. Like, at one point, I thought he was going to actually just fall out. And there was a shot in the seventh, I want to say it was in the seventh round, where he got landed, where he was hit, uh, and it, it, it was flush. And he it pretty much, it, it could have been ruled a knockdown in the seventh round, actually, but apparently, because his knee was down, but the ref didn't catch it. Either he, either he didn't catch it or he just rolled a slip, whatever have you, but it was a slip and a punch, but it happens. And it, but at the end of the day, they got the scorecard right, so it it's fair. But yeah, Guayo just really just not have any steam whatsoever. Like the second half of that, it was really a tale of two fights where he had nothing in for that, for that last four rounds of that one at all. Yeah, uh, the second fight, Alejandro Guerrero beats Jose Angulo by majority decision as well 76, 76, 79, 73, 78, 74. The story of this fight. Was not really the fight itself. It was those two. Those last two scorecards. Like the, yeah. a lot of people were really surprised by that. I, it was a lot more. I mean, Guerrero ended the fight 
very very well. He you know I, he totally he totally hurt Angulo and really he he sent Angulo to the canvas even though the uh, very late in the fight even though the ref ruled it a um, ruled it a slip and not a knockdown but it was a very you know prior to the seventh round it was pretty competitive for the most part so so it, it was when you look you look at the fight and you can't it it is impossible for someone to really look at the fight and say well Angulo only won one round it's it's it very weird. I'm not. I wasn't a fan of this uh, of those last two scorecards, but I but I agree that Guerrero. I think slightly edged it on my scorecard, but you know I don't have a pro. I don't have a problem with the decision. I just had my. I was just scratching my head when it comes to those last two scorecards. Yeah, that part was weird too, because it was, it was pretty competitive in terms of a back and forth. I really thought. Uh... Guerrero and it was one of those fights where it's like I guess the the guy who he gave, he gave it seventy nine seventy two probably only won one round I guess he liked the pressure he was putting on which I get because that that's kind of his style for the fight but it doesn't justify him only losing only winning one round I I, I don't know I'm I'm never a big fan of weird lopsided cards like that when especially when the first guy had it as a draw and it's and it, and it, it pretty much even if you were watching the fight it, it was pretty even throughout for like for essentially most of the fight so. It's one of those things where I used to always joke about, like, the only thing that's uncertainty about judging is the uncertainty of the judges, and that always is going to come to question when you see scorecards like that. And I wish, and with, it's one of those fights where I wish there was something where we had, like, a blueprint system for these judges in terms of, like, when they score these fights, what are they looking for, what do they need to look for. And what, what what establishes winning around? I know it's 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 eye is judgmental. It's a beauty of the eyes of the beholder, but at the end of the day, there's just some numbers when you come up with some of these cards that these guys put back in, uh, especially with like that card or like especially with some of these over cards, like especially throughout the year in Texas, where we'll, we'll run into the same issue where it's like or like the ones like in New York earlier this year. I think for that Jesse Hart uh, Jill Smith card where he gave the guy the fight gave the guy gave the card to a Jesse Hart. It's like what? What are you looking at? It, it, it always it's always going to beg that question every time. All right, co-main event. Uh, we kind of discussed this a little bit earlier on the on the show, very briefly. Brian Norman Jr. beats Flavio Rodriguez by technical unanimous decision. There was a bad clash of heads. Rodriguez got cut in the seventh round, and Norman won the fight. You know he. he in my eyes, I think Norman won the fight, 68-65 on two of the three scorecards, and 69-64 on the third one. But it, I have no problem with the with who won the fight. I have a problem, and I don't know about you, I have a problem with this constant thing where on partial rounds, when they go to a technical decision, that they scored the partial round as a whole thing. I have a major issue with that because... It gets to a point where really anything can happen in a round on a moment's notice. And now you're telling me that, you know, you're still going to, you know, score the whole round, even though it's not complete. I would just have scored the six rounds, uh, period, and just forget about the seven. It's very weird. I don't know why they keep doing this. I don't agree with it. I mean, Marquis, you and I have seen how many fights end with a guy going down and being knocked down the last five seconds uh, of the round. We've seen that way too many times. And you're telling yeah. me that that's you're, you're going to disregard that possibility because, well, the fight's over, but we still got to count the, the partial round. I don't agree with 
the idea that the seventh round had to be scored. But I agree with who won. I think Brian Norman Jr. looked really good against Flavio Rodriguez. I had someone actually tell me, like, out of all the prospects, like, he thought that Brian Norman Jr. was the one that actually looked the best at, at the end of the night. No, that makes sense. And actually, no, I, I have a problem with them scoring the, that last round, too, with, especially with these core cards. And i give you a great example. Last year, when uh, Marcus Brown lost to uh, Gene Pasquale on, on that card because they judged the last round, which pretty much decided the fight, actually. As strange as that sounds, and it's like, what? What are you guys doing with this? Like, what's there to judge before the head clash? Which, like, I never, I, I would never understand that either. With, with terms of like, what are they looking for with that? Like, who, who wins? Like, the person who starts the headbutt, or who got the the, the best, the, the least end of it? Like, what are you judging that on too, either? But no, Norman looked pretty good actually, and I, I I'm, I'm going to disagree in terms of Rodriguez uh, looking like the best prospect, only because I really do like Brandon Lee a lot, who was in the main event, but. It, it, it was actually pretty interesting how he flashed out in terms of like just a style of this for that fight itself. It's really strange that the the, the headbutt that that started that pretty much stopped the fight is just one of those cuts where when when you run into each guy when heads clash like that and whenever there's always going to be blood that runs from that from the top of the forehead that runs into the eye like every any ringside doctor that's worth his medical malpractice license is going to cut that fight off no matter what. That's that's a, that's. A, that's even at the club level or even the uh, even the bar fight level. Like, this is a done deal. So it's always interesting to see how fast and how quick they got responded to that. And uh, they did the right call on that and stopping it, though. Now moving on to the main event. Brandon Lee beats Camilo Prieto, third-round TKO. I mean, this one, we knew just how this was going to happen. You know, Brandon Lee, for those who don't know, tremendous, tremendous prospect uh, at junior welterweight, unbeaten, nineteen. No, he's only twenty years old, and he's or and he's only had like three dozen rounds as a pro. He's no Edgar Berlanga, where he's knocking dudes out every single time out in the first round. But he's a fantastic prospect. Uh, I, I certainly do like his ceiling, and the fact that he's only nineteen fights in, he's twenty years old. It's. It's. I think it's a. Fan, I think it's a great sign of where he could potentially land as far as, you know, as a contender two, three years down the road. I look at Brandon Lee and think of this fight. I'm thinking, you know, I remember you at the start of the show. You were saying that the showbox shows really are more showcase fights, and this fight was the very definition of a showcase fight. And I think, given that the the extra attention that the sport that the sports world had, especially with this card being one of the last live sporting events in the U.S. for a long time, potentially, you have to think that dude's ready for 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 better competition. Like he can't, like he's not going to get better fighting guys like Camilo Prieto for another year, even if he's young, even if his body's still developing. And, and listen, and I'm not someone who basically is guy. I mean, look, he's young. You take advantage. Of, like, look, sometimes guys need to be properly seasoned. They need to get experience. Not everyone's a Javante Davis or a Kose Tanaka or David Benavides where they're winning titles left and right at a young age. But I think with Brandon, it's a it's a different case. I think he's ready for you know not necessarily a top ten guy or a top fifteen, but. Certainly, someone much better than Camilo Prieto. Absolutely, uh, Carlos. And it's funny because I was talking to Brandon earlier in the week, uh, leading up to it, because he was doing the media rounds and stuff, uh, talking about the fight. And 
uh, the two questions I asked him about the fight was one was, was he looking to get rounds in against Prieto? And he flat out told me uh, he's not here to dance. He said to knock Prieto out, which I thought was pretty amusing. And uh, the second thing was I mentioned in terms of stepping up competition for him. And he mentioned to me flat out that if he's just the horse that runs the stable and that uh, Cameron Duncan, the people that promote for him are the ones that uh, pretty much will, will, put, will dictate that for him. So at this point, I think it's going to be on the promotion to either, either give him uh, better competition instead of guys who, which is which I thought was a very fun, funny, uh, interesting tidbit, actually, Carlos, because uh, uh, Camilo Pareto, uh, who, who lives in Miami, but has been fighting literally in the Dominican Republic exclusively, essentially, for like the last four years, and they, they found this guy. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, for the next time on Showbox that they give for uh, Brandon an, an actual uh, a live opponent. And it's interesting because, like, when Prieto came up, like, actually in the ring itself, throwing punches, like, you can just see, like, in the first 45 seconds of that fight that this was not going to go to distance. It was one of those things where you saw Brandon Lee do, like, the shuffle. He did the stick-out thing, like Roy Jones. It was like, okay, so he knows it's the main event. He knows it's going to close the show out. And th that fight was only going to go as far as Brandon Lee wanted to. And about three minutes in the second, like, about two minutes in the second, third round, he was like, all right, enough of this. And that was the end of it. I it was really interesting, but I'm really hoping because for Lee, he's just a decorated amateur. He's been fighting forever, it seems. I think his record as amateur was like 196 and 5. It's something ridiculous. And he was telling me about how he's been training with like everyone out in California in terms of like the big names, the Mikey Garcias, the Haney's, the Boots Ennis's, the, the, the Crawfords, and everyone else in terms of like just learning so much uh, in terms of sparring and, and in preparation for all these fights is that you would have thought they would have gave them for Showbox someone just I don't know, someone could land a punch, maybe, Carlos? I, 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 maybe that's just me on that part. But I, I get it. I mean, it was, it was part of the program. It's part of his development. I'm, I'm sure not trying to rush him like everybody else. I mean, not everyone else is Javante Davis, as you mentioned before, where you can just start putting him in against big competition, and he, he just starts overpowering all of them. But I am hoping the next fight that he has this year, because he, he does plan on being active like he always is, like he was last year, that they do put him in with someone who can at least, either, either at a lightweight or – Either his natural weight, uh, just someone just he can actually uh, actually get some rounds in some competition wise. But all in all, I'm a big Brandon Lee guy. He's he's fun to watch, if, and he's in mauling everybody over, Carlos. I mean, it's one of those deals where it's like at some point you have to put him in with someone real. Well, there's not much time left on this podcast, but we have some breaking news. Yeah. So and it's not going to be, and it's kind of basically <laughs> kind of really makes the last 10 minutes of our coronavirus situation a uh, moot but according to mike coppinger on twitter the nevada state athletic commission has suspended all combat sporting events indefinitely due to um, covid19 canelo saunders cannot be scheduled nope. until the ban is lifted and this would also mean shows with pbc top rank that they got in las vegas not happening until the ban is lifted and it's an indefinite uh, ban. So we could be looking. We could be looking at two, three, uh, two weeks down the line. We could be looking at one month down the line. We could be looking at three months down the line, and not have anything, and not have anything in Vegas. That is, that this actually might be the strongest stance a commission has had um, in in the U.S. when it comes to these types of things. Because a lot, because I don't know if you noticed, but. A lot of the commissions around the U.S. have really been following what the state itself has been ordering. Now, I don't know if the Nevada commission is made the decision on their own or if they were following uh, the, what the state maybe are saying. But if this was something the commission itself 
have decided, I gotta say, I commend them 100%. I, I know sometimes it's easy to rag on the Nevada State Commission for a number of things. A lot of it deservedly so, but if they were the ones who made this decision on their own, kudos to them. Absolutely, and if that's breaking, that's huge as well, which automatically uh, throws out, as you well know, uh, Carlos, uh, besides Canelo Sounders being tossed out in May, that also throws away out the in April the top-ranked card that was going to bring a monster in well, for anyway against uh, Cachanero as well, which is being uh, held at the Vandalay in Vegas. So if, if, if pretty much if Nevada's shutting down, uh, more than likely, Carlos, this, this, the dominoes for this is going to fall at some point. So there's not going to be any boxing in the United States uh, unless it's unsanctioned or it's on uh, uh, someone's uh, Instagram, which is not exactly sanctioned either. So there, there's going to be no boxing, essentially, if, 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 if Nevada came through with this. Props to them for actually stepping up and doing something. Because let's be honest, Carlos, they, they, they are known for not exactly taking the most hardline stance, unless it's Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Uh, taking, uh, take, uh, avoiding a drug test. Outside of that, the, the vast Olympic question has pretty much been uh, a walking punchline of boxing since I can remember, even, even covering sports media. So it's interesting that they're taking the stance on this, which means everybody else is as well. I mean, California already has, New York has already with their cards being canceled. Now it's Nevada. Those are the big three. That means all, Texas already canceled their fight cards as well. So when when the major players step in and, and say no, then all everyone's will follow suit because it's at this point it's just a safety and liability issue, and it's like no, because it's at the end of the day, Carlos, no one knows what's going on with this, and until we figure out what's going on with it, we just can't. They can't risk it, and there's no there's no liability or, or reassurance for it. So I, I applaud them for that, but man, well, so if if, if anything else, we'll we'll have a. Something else to do until they figure that out, all, all this stuff out fight-wise. But, man, that that's, that is big news. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Yeah, that's about wrap, that about does it for this edition of the Fightful Boxing Podcast. I mean, look, there's there's a lot. I I, I don't know what's going to happen with this podcast. You know, maybe I will do something special in the coming, in the coming weeks to sort of you know, to sort of make up for the fact that there's going to be no boxing. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the coming weeks and months. I have no idea what's going to happen. No one knows what's going to happen. That's that's really the scary part, but I think I speak for a lot of people when I say I hope this gets resolved pretty quickly so that the world can kind of go back to some level of, you know, norm normality. Because it's it's crazy. Um, Marquis, you you have any plugs uh, you want to throw out there for the people? Absolutely, Carlos. Yeah, uh, uh, just to pick it back up your point as well, I hope we get back to normalcy, as you know, as well, too, Carlos. Because as you know, uh, we all use sports as a distraction to get away, get away from the stuff like this. And when the distraction is gone, we have nothing else to focus on but this. So until we figure this all out and it, go, it goes away, we'll, we'll let it just sit and wait and be patient about it. But you can always find me, Carlos, and everybody else that's listening, uh, at Weak Sauce Radio, all one word. Still one of my favorite Twitter handles all ever. It's, it's, a, it's a long-running inside gag on my end. Uh, pretty much covering boxing on my end with everything else with everybody, uh, mixing it up, talking stuff, arguing like, like, like everybody else on boxing Twitter, when's Crawford going to fight Spence, and et cetera, like all those other goons. Uh, you can join me there. You can also find me at BigFightWeekend.com is the boxing site that I write for. I usually write stories every so often, and they're using tidbits and anything that I find interesting that I keep up with past, present, and future in the world of boxing. And uh, with this current coronavirus situation going on, there's going to be a lot of past going on in the next couple of weeks at the website, I can tell you now. 
And you can follow me on Twitter at CarlosDora360. Head on over to Fightful.com for all the latest news regarding pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. Subscribe to our Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube channel and subscribe to our Apple podcast. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in, and I hope to see you on the next one. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save